Guys, thank you so much. Can I have everybody, if you would, just lift a hand. I want to pray together. And let's lift a hand to the Lord as we pray. God, I come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, the only name worthy to be called upon. And we acknowledge that you are power and strength and grace and hope and mercy and forgiveness. And I'm praying that every man and woman, student that is listening to this today would recognize the power, the significance, the value of what it is to be a child of yours. May we find rest in you. Amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you once again, and I appreciate all the comments even from yesterday. I pray that you would step further into biblical friendship that we were able to talk about yesterday. Um, today, I'm going to go a little bit different direction. Um, you know, I have the joy of, of preaching a couple hundred sermons easy every year, if not more, and, and yet last night, I just had a lot of conviction, honestly, and I had a lot of just, just wrestling with the Spirit. And so I was like, well, God, whatever you want to do. And so I just kept working on stuff until late at night. And then this morning woke up and just started praying and praying and praying and praying. Um, isn't it good to let the Holy Spirit lead? Isn't it good to let the Holy Spirit lead? That's your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ is to allow that very thing to happen. Um, and, and I landed on a passage we all know really well. I think I'm going to tackle it a bit unusually. Um, but it's Galatians chapter five, fruit of the spirit. Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. And so let's just go ahead and it's on the screen for us. Uh, read it with me, if you would. Let's do some participation. Um, and so let's read this together. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Here's the gist of it is um, I, I remember uh, working on a family farm in the panhandle of Florida. It's a place called Chipley, Florida, probably about 45 minutes or so above Panama City. And I remember going there and there was a giant nursery that my family had had there for, for decades upon decades. And it had all types of orange trees and everything else. And I would always end up going in the summer when all the fruit pretty much had already dropped. And so you would walk around and you would step on a bunch of fruit that had already hit the ground. We also had scuppinons, not just the oranges, scuppinons. You know what those are? It's kind of like a giant grape, okay? So we had all types, uh, and we, there was peaches and all kinds of stuff. And there was all of this fruit that had fallen from the limbs of those trees and had hit the ground. And so even walking around, you knew you were just gonna step in front or step on top of a lot of fruit that was just ruined and that you couldn't do anything with. But honestly, guys, as a believer in Jesus Christ, our life should look at the fruit of the Spirit and when people come around us, they should be watching the fruit drop off of our figurative limbs of life because we are so overwhelmed by the, the resurrection of Jesus. I had the opportunity and I, I get to go and speak to a lot of pastors. And as I'm doing it, they're like, I just, I can't get the church to have any life or any energy. I can't, I can't seem to come to a place of getting our people to actually want to share their faith. I can't, and, and I, I hear similar stories everywhere I go. And yet we hear things like this, the fruit of the spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, 
And I, I know many of you are going, yeah, I, I get this. I get it, I get it, I get it. But rem, let me remind you of this. It's something called Pentecost, right? And even Jesus Christ refers to the Spirit as being his helper, that Jesus looked at his disciples and says, I'm gonna leave a gift with you as well so that Pentecost came and all of a sudden, for anybody who proclaims faith in Jesus Christ, you now have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, God himself, within your life. That's amazing. And as a result of that, what happens is we are to radiate this. We are to radiate uh, so much of these characteristics of joy and love and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. Those are, it's fruit that should be just dropping off of the branches of our lives. And yet we can struggle with this. Why is it that we struggle with this? Why is it that we struggle with this? Because faith in Jesus, understanding this, Friends, it's far more. Sometimes I think we go, man, I have faith in Jesus Christ. Now at least I have eternal life. But it's also, it's also, it is that, but it's also about what we gain for the rest of our life. We gain joy. It goes from happiness, which is temporary and circumstantial, to joy, which is based in the goodness of who Jesus Christ is. We gain peace and patience. The difficulty is going to come. We already know this, right? Who we are is determined by how we walk through the difficulty, not having no difficulty. And so yet we still can carry the heart of Christ Jesus. That's why it tells us, in one passage, it says very, very clearly in James chapter one, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you can be mature in Christ, lacking in nothing. And you go, man, I, I, just, I walk around so often and, and I, to so many churches and I go, don't they know the joy of the Lord? One of the greatest gifts that this room could give to the world is for you guys to just run into the churches that God has called you to and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit and let them know what it is to be so captivated by Christ that it produces the fruit that just drops off of your branches. So what's happened? Like, why is it? It's like we've lost perspective. We, we, we just don't sometimes, I think, see faith clearly. I think we've lost our way at times, right? Like I, a couple of weeks ago, I thought I was gonna have to go right back to the optometrist because I could not see it all. And then I had a friend of mine remind like, why, not, why is your lens not in your glass? And so I was like, oh, I had so I had to go get them fixed. I think sometimes uh, for those of you who have to wear contacts or glasses, if you don't have them on, everything's like right now, you all look amazing. Okay, so, right? And we don't always see as clearly as we should the power of the gospel and what it should actually be doing in our life. I think we, we, we've, we've lost some of our focus to the clarity of what it means. We're so concerned of making sure that we don't do wrong that we forget that now, because of Jesus doing right, that we have a joy that is to live within us. Amen. You can go a little bit charismatic, just a little bit. <laughs> Dr. White, he's at therapy today. He doesn't have to watch this. Right? 
here's what I've learned. I, I started, I think some of the research that out there is very telling. Uh, Barna, as many of you know, that group, they do a lot of research for us. They wanted to see how many people today in America actually still had a biblical understanding, a biblical worldview. All right, so this is what they discovered in their research. Now, I'm, I'm very careful with research because it, it can be so skewed based on what narrative and what story you're already wanting to tell. So you have to be cautious, but there's still something to learn from. And, and what we learned is this, is that Barna Research, as they're doing all this, they determined that only 4% of Americans actually had a biblical worldview. Only 9% of those who claim Christ as savior, of born again believers. So only 9% of born again believers say, they, they actually say, I have a biblical worldview and only 4% of the total population. Now they had to have a way to go about this, right? How do you determine, do you have a biblical worldview? Sure, like how, how do you actually do it? So they had eight key questions that they asked people to determine this. Eight key questions, good, bad, or indifferent. I still think it's very enlightening. It says this, here are the questions that they asked. Do absolute moral truths exist? Yes. Morality is defined through Jesus Christ, friends, right? And I can give text to all this. That's Mark chapter seven, Exodus chapter 20 with the commandments. So uh, the 10 commandments, of course. And so we look at all of this and what they wanna know is how many people are gonna say yes to all of these questions. It's a good way, right now you can determine if you would say yes to all these and it'll help you know if you actually have a biblical framework in your life. Because if you don't have a biblical framework, you're not walking with the fruit. Is absolute truth defined by the Bible? That's Psalm 19, John 17, 1 Thessalonians chapter two. Did Jesus Christ live a sinless life? Yeah. Right? Even a lot of people who claim to know Jesus Christ would say he's, he's more of a prophet, he's a good dude, but yeah, like that whole perfect thing I'm not sure of. No, he's the perfect lamb of God without blemish. Is God the all-powerful and all-knowing creator of the universe? Does he still, and does he still rule it today? The answer is yes. Do you believe that? Is salvation a gift from God that cannot be earned? A gift that cannot be earned. What's the answer? Yeah. Is Satan real? Yeah. Does a Christian have a responsibility to share his or her faith in Christ with other people? You go to Acts chapter one, you go to the book of uh, Romans, you go to Matthew chapter 28 with the Great Commission. The answer is yes. Is the Bible accurate in all of its teachings? Yes. First John chapter three, verse eight, second Timothy also, infallible word of God. We know these things. Those are, that's what they used in order to determine whether or not people still had a biblical worldview. Again, only 9% of born again believers agreed and said yes to all of those things. Absolutely amazing. Why is that important? Let me tell you why it's important. Because your worldview, how you see and understand God, right? That's the, the very nature of theology. Your theology is your understanding and idea of who God is, very simply stated. And so you're, the way you process and understand who God is will determine the decisions that you make and the actions that you have throughout your life. Well, God's only partially good, and if I do too much wrong, he can't forgive me. And so then we end up living in captivity, and we always try to achieve rather than live in faith. If I had to tell, you know, somebody came to me like, Pastor, if you just had one thing to tell college students today, what would it be? 
Live by, live by faith, not in what you think you can achieve. And so these things start to matter as we make decisions in our actions. They determine your emotions. If you know that God is all powerful, that you know that we have the word of God, which is accurate in all of its teachings and it gives hope and life for us, then all of a sudden you walk through difficulty differently than if you go, I hope that God doesn't fail me now. You walk through life differently. You make different decisions. The majority of young people that I'm talking to today and I'm counseling today, they're making decisions so often, not every time, but so often based on, well, if I make this decision, at least I have a backup plan. At least I've got something to catch me. Rather than going, you know what? I know God wants me to do this and I'm gonna step out and I'm going to trust him with it. Guys, this nation needs a young population, students, young people today, more than ever to step out and go, I will live by faith. More than ever. To live by the fruit of the spirit, dripping off of your branches, expecting the hard and not getting angry at God because something bad happened, but going, wow, what is God teaching me? And can I use that to impact other people to recognize that there is hope in the name of Christ? And so the biblical worldview matters. Our faith, the way we look at God, our theology matters. But the problem is we, we've compromised so often. Why? Because the, the, the worldview around us, not the biblical worldview, but the world itself is bombarding us with different messages. Right? You look at social media. I hope you're already praying about this year. This is an election year, friends. Some of you remember four years ago, it was a hard year for people. The hatred, not the fruit of the spirit, hatred was pouring off and dripping off the branches of many. You know what I'm talking about? Like conversations weren't being had. And I just go, wow, that's, that's, I think it's going to be worse this year. But the darker the world, the brighter the light of Christ can shine. Amen. Just a little bit. And so you, as young people, get to influence that type of thinking because you can go, no, I have a different worldview than you do. I have a biblical understanding of life. And so the television and the film and the music and the social media and the books that are so bombarding us today, I understand that's because that we live in a fallen world. But what's happened because of those things, Colossians 2.8 has happened. Colossians 2.8 has happened. If you write anything down, write down that and go read it again later on because Colossians 2.8 tells us that we have been taken captive. We've been taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than that of Christ. And so those things are bombarding us left and right, left and right. And all of a sudden they start to impact us. So like, well, maybe, well, yeah, but this is gonna be easier Man, I'm tired of standing alone. But we cannot forget the joy that is instilled in our lives and the fruit that is instilled in our lives when the Holy Spirit comes into our life. And I'm not telling you that it's always easy. But I'm telling you it matters. 
We need to make sure that we're aware of the other things that are contradicting the power of the word of God that are bombarding us, that are taking us captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. We have to make sure that we remember what those things are and we have to pull those weeds. If you want to go to one of the parables of Jesus Christ, you got to pull the weeds. One of the things that I've learned in life is that no one likes to pull weeds, but everyone wants a beautiful garden. That's what I've learned in life. Right? I, 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 I got engaged and um, my wife, there's certain flowers she loves. And she told me what those flowers were. She loves hydrangeas, which I'm so grateful for being in ministry. And it's the most ex- expensive flower in the world. Um, it's like $8 a stem. I'm like, oh, okay, great. It's just last week's entire paycheck. And, and then she likes sunflowers. And she, and she told me, this is when we we're about to get married. But I don't like the little sunflowers. I like the giant sunflowers. They grow like 10 feet tall. And I had, my house was on 0.18 acres. It's like the size of the stage. But I was like, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna turn our entire backyard into an English garden. I did. And it was amazing and absolutely horrible at the same time. I had nine and a half foot sunflowers growing for her by the time we got married. Right? Everybody knows I adore my wife. She gets whatever she wants for the most part. Right? And so, and I'm trying to grow hydrangeas, not knowing how to grow them. And so I put way too much fertilizer on stuff. I didn't measure very well. Guess what? I'm not a rule follower, if you haven't noticed. And so they're like, hey, fertilizer. I'm like, fertilizer. And I'm killing it. But like, the garden was amazing. But guess what? I found out I planted so much stuff. It was three to four hours a week just to keep it growing. It was a lot of work to keep that thing up. And so I tilted it. Anyway, that's another whole story. Nobody today wants to pull the weeds, but everyone wants a beautiful garden. Can I invite you to pull the weeds so that the, the fruit of the Spirit can grow more beautiful than ever? One of the greatest weeds we have today is that we are held captive in two things control, we want control. And yet, being a Christian is about giving God control. We, we want control and then we want to achieve because we're so concerned about how others will see us rather than being captivated by how God has already loved us. But I've got to be able to do this. They're doing this. If they're doing this, I should be able to do this. And so it keeps us from really seeing the fruit of the spirit come off of the branches of our lives. And so that sinful nature takes hold. That Galatians chapter five, and I know I've already read the fruit of the spirit, which is 22 through 23. I actually wanna go backwards with you a little bit in Galatians chapter five, 16 through 18. Because this matters a lot. We're talking about this fruit, but we gotta look at some other things that impact the fruit that we have in our life and how we walk. And you you have a decision to make. You're gonna either, in your life, you will walk according to Galatians five, you're gonna walk by the spirit, you're gonna walk by the flesh. You're gonna walk by the spirit, you're gonna walk by the flesh. Let me go ahead and tell you this. The two of them contradict each other. They cannot coexist. It's oil and water. 
right? They, they cannot, you can't go, I'm gonna walk by the spirit, look at me, and then all, be all about what you wanna do and all about what you wanna achieve. It doesn't work that way. It's oil and water. You have to recognize that. You're going to see this for us very, very clearly. It's, it's hate and love. They don't exist together. It's judgment and grace. It doesn't exist like that. They don't work together. They're not friends. And so then we have to make a decision of what we get to do so that we can, so that we can produce that fruit of the spirit, okay? So he says this in Galatians 5, 16 to 18. But I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the what? For the desires of the flesh are against the? And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed. I just told you, oil and water. They're opposed to each other. It's just the word of God. That's what they do. Don't, they, they, can't, they can't do this. They're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. You're not under the law. You're now more concerned, not with what you might get wrong. You're more concerned about what Jesus has already done right. God, please give us more of those churches. And so here, Galatians is important for you to know. It's about Christian liberty. It's really, I mean, a quick summary of Galatians. It's about Christian liberty. It's about living a life of faith, a life holding the power of the Holy Spirit within your own life, right? And so this was even taking place. The Jewish legalists were so concerned, and maybe this, is, this relates to some of you, and you can identify with it. What was happening here in Galatia was some of those who were claiming to know Jesus Christ, they were actually converting to Judaism so that they could know that they were winning because they could go, I'm following these rules, and if I'm following these rules, I know I'm winning. And so now people who are claiming Christ were actually converting because they wanted to be able to say, X, Y, I know I'm I can check off the boxes. I can check off the boxes. And because I can check off the boxes, I can feel better rather than simply going, well, I don't know what God wants to do tomorrow, but I'm gonna be obedient. But we've already won. Here, here's another way to think about it. Anybody know how many bones we have in the human body? 206. You got a lot of nurses and stuff out here, so I, that's good to know. Rough muscles, roughly 650 muscles. It's amazing. So 206 bones, roughly 650 muscles, and then you have all these um, organs and everything else that's allowing your body to live and to thrive and to function. But let me tell you the coolest thing for us in this room who claim to know Jesus Christ. You know what the coolest thing about this is? Is I get to house the Holy Spirit. We don't think of it like that. I get to house the Holy Spirit. I get to recognize that God chooses to dwell in me. And that's what allows me to be able to be someone who hopefully will produce the, the fruit of the Spirit. And again, I'm not, I'm not telling you it's always easy, but it's one of the greatest gifts that you will give to the world is to let them see the fruit of Christ dripping and falling off of your branches. So that everybody's stepping on. When they get around you, they're like, man, it's all over the place. 
If you don't understand the power of what it is for the Holy Spirit to live in your life, friends, you will strive to do the work of God yourself rather than recognizing he's already doing the work. It's one of the greatest struggles I see for both the person and the church today, attempting to do the work of God apart from God. So the book of Acts constantly, it's the New Testament church, right? I mean, it's Pentecost, it's everything else. In Acts chapter one, verse six through eight, you got the ascension of Jesus Christ. Then the disciples come together and very first way they start this is they start praying together in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then Acts chapter two, you got Peter's first sermon there and it's amazing to think about. And the church just starts growing by thousands and thousands of people. At least nine times in the book of Acts, you read about how it continued to multiply and grow and multiply and grow and multiply and grow. It's because they were dripping with the fruit of the Spirit, falling off of the limbs, regardless of the persecution. Why? Because our God is greater. Our God is greater. And they have the Holy Spirit living in their life. And so you had people living in complete submission to the Holy Spirit. That's why it tells us in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 23, once again, I want you to hear it. But the fruit of the Spirit, what is it? Love and joy and peace and patience, right? Kindness and goodness, gentleness, self-control against such things, there is no law. That's the fruit that gets to hang on our branches, I mentioned um, yesterday about friendship. One of the things that friends do is they hold you what? Accountable. And everybody loves that, right? Everybody absolutely loves somebody coming and saying, hey, I want to hold you accountable. But I would encourage you to go to a friend and say, hey, which of these fruit do you see in my life that I need to be better at producing? I never see you smile. I'm not saying you don't have the joy of the Lord. That's not for me to judge. But it's really hard to be able to evaluate the joy of the Lord when I never see you smile. Right? I, maybe you've heard this before. I remember being a kid and my father being a pastor of a church. And um, I remember like, people, this, this older lady came in and she just was bubbling with life. Man, she was amazing. Her name was Aunt B. Put it like this. I moved away from where Aunt B was. That's what I called her, Aunt B. And 18 years later, when I got married, for the first time I saw her, she drove seven hours one way with homemade fried chicken and a cooler to give to me. And, that, it, and like right there, I was in a tux. Like when I saw her, I just started eating. I was like, it was so good. Because she's from Alabama. Like you just make it different in Alabama. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit of chicken with a whole bunch of fried. All right? And she, I remember her walking into the church when I was young, She's like, we're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. And this other lady's like, well, yeah, I think I do. And she's like, well, then tell your face. (laughs) Old people can get away with that. (laughs) Like my grandmother-in-law, she's 104 this month. You know what that means? She can say anything she wants. (laughs) Right? It's just what happens. But I remember her saying, man, just, you need to tell your, like, 
Go to a friend and say, what is it? What fruit of the spirit do I need to have that I don't have on my limbs right now? Like, what is it? Go to a friend. We talked about it yet. Accountability with that friend. Go to them and say, man, I need to, I, I just, I don't see a whole lot of patience, but I know you got it in you. You get angry so fast. Listen, I, just in the last 24 hours, I have been the beneficiary of people who have demonstrated kindness to me. Thank you. You're throwing out some Jesus. Thank you. I, I could walk and for hours and give you the parallels of the book of Romans and Galatians and walking by the fruit of the spirit and freedom of life and the joy of what it is to be able to say that I'm a believer in Christ. And one of the prayers that I would have for you is that you would actually recognize that you have an opportunity to step out of any type of captivity that you may currently have in your life and to live in the freedom that is known Jesus, to trade up. Because some of you have, I don't, know, I don't know your situation. You may have parents, you can make all A's and one B and all they harp on is that one B, I don't know. And so all you hear is, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. I don't know your situation. Some of you are going, I just want acceptance and you're one of the 13% of this nation who don't have one friend that we talked about yesterday. And so now you're doing things that really aren't who you are, but you're just trying to get a friend. What I need you to hear today is that there is a God who has more for you, who loves you, who cares for you. I need you to allow, I so desperately want for you to allow the Holy Spirit to live so deep in you that the fruit of the Spirit is dropping off the limbs. So this is, this is how I'd like us to close today. I will let you out on time. I'm saying that because that means you don't have to run to class right now. I want us to pray. And I'll, I'm just give you a couple minutes in prayer. If you wanna take it, if you wanna kneel, if you wanna, but I don't care what, I don't, if you, some of you may just wanna stand and pray. Some of you wanna sit and pray. Some of you wanna take a knee and pray. Sometimes I gotta stand to pray. Because I'm so overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I'm like, I just don't feel like I'm honoring him if I don't. I'm always different with it. I want us to give you just a couple minutes to pray about what fruit needs to be dripping off your branches. What is it that you really know when it comes to living by the Spirit, not to be held captive by hollow and deceptive practices anymore, but to be captivated by the presence of God. And then I want to pray for you guys. So let's just pray together right now. God, I'm coming before you and asking that for every single ear listening, every heart, every mind, that rather than being ever held captive by the hollow and deceptive practices and philosophies of this world that are built on human tradition rather than the power of Jesus Christ, that every single one of them would actually end up being held captive by the grace, love, forgiveness of Jesus. 
and that the fruit would multiply in their life. That if they already have joy, great, but it would multiply. The gentleness would multiply. The grace would multiply. And the self-control would multiply. That they would be reminded that those 206 bones, 650 muscles, the greatest thing about it is it gets to be a, a house for the Holy Spirit to dwell. May they find rest and peace and comfort in knowing that they are loved by the creator of the universe. I know that the world will hate them if they love you. You're so clear in scripture, but remind them that your love will never fade. It will never depart. It will never leave them nor forsake them. For your promises are true. You have never broken one. May they be, God, may these students in time leave this place, fill the world, and drop your fruit wherever they may go. And may you receive glory and honor forever and ever. And all the people said, amen. Have a beautiful day. You're loved by God. Take care.